Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, experts, tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tennis Express. Please check them out this week by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. Well, thank you very much for joining me on today's episode of the podcast. I, I really hope that it's going to be helpful to you. And I think that it will be for a large majority of people because it's about a topic that is very, very common. It really doesn't matter what your level is. It, it, it doesn't make any difference. It can always be difficult to play somebody who's not as good of a player as you are. And that might sound counterintuitive, but for whatever reason, which I'm going to get into today, it can very often be hard and almost kind of awkward to put away a player that you just know is not as good as you are. And that can be really frustrating. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get right into that topic. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right. Got a really good question to talk about in today's podcast, and it comes to us from Eric in Pennsylvania, and he is a 4.5 player, and I know that many of you listening are going to be able to identify very quickly with what his uh, struggles are here. He wrote to me and said, I would really appreciate some tips on both psychology and mechanics of playing against weaker opponents. I'm about a 4.5 level player, and in my league, I compete against players from a wide range of abilities, weaker than me, evenly matched, and stronger. I get really frustrated because I end up having better matches and probably overall a better match percentage against the stronger players. Of course, I don't always win these matches, but I feel like I play better, and I think I do win more often against stronger as opposed to weaker players. It feels like my main problems against weaker opponents are mechanical as opposed to psychological, but maybe I'm wrong. When my opponent hits with more power, depth, and topspin, my own ground strokes are stronger. It feels like my muscle memory just takes over and my strokes are more fluid and easy. But when shots land well short of the baseline and sit up with very little topspin, my own ground strokes become less accurate and less fluid. With more time to prepare and set up for my shots, I get confused as to what to do with the racket during my backswing, and my strokes often go long. I don't want to just chip these shots back with backspin because then I don't know where to go after I return my shot. I can't run to the net every time. So what tactics and strategies should I work on for playing against weaker players? How can I develop stronger shots when I'm not working with a lot of depth and power from my opponents? How should I change the mechanics of my strokes and my, psycholog uh, my, sorry, my psychology in these matches? Okay. Well, Eric, that's a really, really good question. And this can be extremely frustrating because... It's kind of counterintuitive, right? It seems like, well, the easier of a shot I get from my opponent, then clearly the easier of a time I should have in trying to come up with some kind of confident offensive reply and be able to pressure my opponent when they give me a weak, easy shot, right? 
Well, I, I want you to know that you're not alone in this, and this is a really common problem that players have, and it's a big distinguishing factor between where you are now and moving up a level from where you are now, and maybe possibly someday being a 5-0 player. And there's really no way around that. If you can't, if you can't very confidently take a weak shot and really hit a solid reply, then you're always going to have a hard time playing up a level from where you are now. And it's not uncommon, by the way, to feel more confident when you're receiving more pace and more spin. Uh, because in a lot of it, well, here, I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit. Let, let me go to my outline before I uh, get way out ahead of myself. So I, I'm breaking my outline into two main sections. We're going to talk about the psychological part of it, and we're going to talk about the physical part of it as well. And uh, I'm going to talk about the psychological parts first. And I, every, I, I want to go ahead and just start off by saying that, that, Eric, I don't think all of these things that I'm going to talk about are what your problem is, but I, I, they apply to many players listening. And so I want to make sure that I put out some good information here that's going to be for a lot of other players, possibly besides yourself. So, so please uh, keep that in mind as I talk about this. Um, not that I don't think some of your problems aren't psychological with this. I think they are. And I, I think they fall under two main categories that I'm going to talk about when it comes to the psychology of playing, playing players that are weaker than you. And the, the first, the, the number one mistake that I think recreational players make when playing somebody like this is they don't respect this type of opponent. And they basically underestimate their opponents and their opponent's abilities simply because they don't play the way that they think better players should play. And I have better in quote in uh, you know air quotes here, or I'm I'm using air quotes uh, as I say better because tennis players they kind of have a way of they have this kind of prefabricated player in their mind where okay this for a player to be better than me they're going to look like this physically they're going to swing the racket like this technically you know they're going to have X Y and Z weapons. They're going to have this kind of looking game. And very often when we go out onto the court and somebody doesn't swing like what we were expecting and they don't move like what we were expecting and maybe they don't physically look the way that we were expecting for a quote-unquote better player to look and play, then we automatically don't respect that person in terms of their tennis ability. And it's really important to understand that that doesn't mean that they can't beat you anyway. Just because they don't fit your little cookie cutter, you know, type of player that, that we, you know, the like perfect, like looking athlete with fluid strokes and accelerates the racket really aggressively. And, 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 you know, you see that type of player and you think, Oh yeah, well, they're a better player than me. And then you see the, the guy that's maybe a little bit older than you, maybe a little bit more overweight than you are, maybe uses technique that's not very smooth and fluid, doesn't hit a lot with a lot of power and spin, and you think, oh, great, you know, I'm going to have an easy day today. It's not a 100% correlation between those things. In fact, it's, it's very often the opposite, uh, that we have more trouble against the latter type of player and less trouble against the former. So don't fall into that trap of 
of of underestimating your opponents and and you really need to respect everybody that you play respect their skills no matter how they look and um something i wrote down in here in my notes is it's interesting watching the uh, the pros be interviewed pre-match you know even guys like federer and and maybe even especially players like federer nadal or, or djokovic you know they're walking onto the court first round of the U.S. Open, playing somebody that's maybe ranked like 70 in the world, 80 in the world, which is you know still a great player. But compared to somebody in the top 10, it's not, I mean, we all know sitting at home that, well, this is not going to be a close match, right? I mean, we're, we're all thinking that. And yet, during that, the quick you know 30-second pre-match interview, the... the uh, interviewee is is saying oh so you know tell me a little bit about this match how have you prepared and Federer and Nadal will say oh wow man this this person's really playing great right now they've got some big weapons it's going to be a really good match today and I, I just hope I play well so that I can come out on top right you, you you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've heard that little that little speech a million times and then they go out and they win like two two and one <laughs> or something like that well it, it's important to point out that it's not just bs all right it, when when your rafael nadal or, or roger Federer says something like that even though they're walking out onto the court with somebody who you know on paper is very clearly inferior it doesn't matter they, these players still have skills now again they're, they're, it's not the same but you you have to almost equally treat everybody with respect because you never know when that person's going to have a great day or you never know when their skills might just just happen to match up perfectly with your weaknesses you just don't know so walk out onto the court no matter what the um outwardly things look like respect that player so that when it turns out that oh man this i'm having a really fight here just to stay in the match you don't get upset and you don't get nervous and you don't get tight and you don't lose your ability to to really perform well um and then uh one more one more under the heading of respect all opponents and again eric this this might not necessarily be what you're struggling with um in fact, you know, nothing in your question led me to believe that, but this is a really big part of it for a lot of players. And so it's really important for me that, that I go through this. Uh, one more little example here under uh, the respect all opponents, psychological part of it. Um, there are no illegitimate tennis tactics, unless they're illegal, all right? <laughs> if your opponent is doing something illegal, then that's illegitimate. But assuming that we're staying within the rules, there are no illegitimate tactics, even though some of them might be annoying to you. Maybe our opponent just uses a whole bunch of spin, and that's like their primary weapon. Maybe our opponent has no weapons at all in terms of offense, and they're, they just push the ball back and play over and over and over again with no pace and no spin. Maybe our opponent has really poor, in our opinion, really poor technique. Maybe they like switch hands and like, you know, hit some shots left-handed and it just doesn't look pretty. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't mean that they still can't beat you. And those types of players are just as much competitors as are the players that are a level above you. And they, they look, you know, they quote-unquote look like they're just really good tennis players. You need to get over it, stop focusing on those outward things, and just do what it takes to win. And don't be distracted by stuff like this. Okay. 
So um, that all fell under the heading of, um, first of all, psychological. And then this is the number one mistake I think players make when they're playing somebody that's quote unquote weaker. And that is they don't respect all opponents the same way. And they, they walk out onto the court without respect for, for this type of player. And that leads to emotional problems and psychological problems. And, and later on, you know, once you start getting annoyed and maybe upset and angry, technical problems and tactical problems. All right, number two, and this is the last part of the uh, psychological uh, part of my outline here. Um, the, the number two biggest psychological mistake that players make when playing against somebody that's not quite as strong as they are is they play down to their level. And you, you could, you could kind of argue that this is a physical or, or a technique type mistake as well, but it, it really is psychological. Um, it, but basically what this comes down to is if you are, if you, if you are truly the stronger player in terms of having the ability to hit with more offense, having the ability to create more racket head speed, create more spin, then you need to dictate play. Do not allow an inferior opponent to get comfortable and get into a rhythm with you baseline to baseline, you know, just just rallying back and forth, neutral balls, and you're like, okay, well, you know, I, I know they don't have a lot of offense, so I'm just going to kind of relax a little bit here and, uh, you know, play it kind of safe and not really pressure them too much. And, I, you know, I'm going to win eventually because I'm, I'm better than they are, right? Well, before you know it, you're trading shots back and forth that your opponent is totally comfortable with, and you're basically playing down to their level. And you're just playing a neutral rally ball back and forth. And then when the, when the time does come to attack, because it's just a really obvious opportunity, before you know it, you're getting tight and tentative and you're scared to pull the trigger and actually accelerate the racket because you just spent the last 10 or 15 shots slowing down your swing more than what you're used to or more than you typically would against somebody who's at your level or maybe stronger than you. And you get sucked into this this pattern of, oh, and maybe you, you pull the trigger and it's tight. And, oh, man, that just didn't feel good at all. And you make an unforced error. And then it kind of spirals out of control, right? And, and then the next time you get that short, weak shot, you're even more tight because you're thinking, oh, well, I missed the last one. I hope this one isn't worse. And then you get, you get tighter and tighter. And then before you know it, you're playing an hour and a half of shots that are totally played down to your opponent's level and they're comfortable and then they run you back and forth and then all of a sudden they're in control and you've just totally lost your rhythm and you've lost your game and you've lost your ability to attack. And this is incredibly, incredibly frustrating and this might even be the number one psychological mistake. I I don't, you know, they're both big mistakes and I'm sure that most of you listening to me have have had this happen to you at some point. I know it's happened to me, and it's just really frustrating. And the bottom line is you have to play your game and not theirs. And if you allow them uh, to get comfortable, then don't be surprised if you lose. (laughs) And don't blame them. And listen, and and this kind of circles back to the respect part of it. Don't, Don't finish the match and say, well... No wonder I played like crap. You know, they, they didn't give me anything to work with. And they just gave me this junk over and over and over again. So, yeah, I played terrible and it's their fault. No, it's not their fault. It's your fault. And, and don't disrespect your opponent that way. If, if they found a way to beat you, 
regardless of the tactics and regardless of the way that they hit the ball, then they were better than you that day. I I need to repeat that for some of you. Even if you don't consider them a better player than you, they were that day. If you lost to them, regardless of what the circumstances were, again, taking out, taking the, out of the uh, the picture it's illegal you know things assuming that they played within the rules um they were better than you that day and you need to accept that and figure out what to change so that you can be more successful next time okay well next up we're going to talk about the physical things that we need to train uh the physical changes that we need to make to be more successful against this type of player. I think the psychological part of it is really important. And those, in my opinion, are by far the two biggest things to keep in mind and mistakes to avoid. Um, Before we get to the physical part, just a really quick reminder about the official sponsor of the Essential Tennis Podcast, and that is Tennis Express, one of the biggest and best online retailers for tennis gear and equipment out there on the internet. Really great customer service, and they, they offer free shipping for orders over $75. And to thank them for supporting myself and for supporting EssentialTennis.com, please at least go check them out and do that by going to EssentialTennis.com slash express, and you'll be rerouted automatically over to Tennis Express. And that just puts a little tracking code into your browser so that if, if you do make any purchases, a small percentage comes back to help support the Essential Tennis Podcast. So big thank you to Tennis Express for supporting me and uh, equally big thank you to all of you that have been checking them out and, and making purchases through that link. That really helps out a lot in uh, paying the bills around here. So I really appreciate that. Okay, now let's move on to the uh, physical things to keep in mind uh, in this frustrating scenario, playing somebody who's weaker than you but still struggling. And I've got, again, two different main sections here. Number one, you must train yourself to learn how to create pace and spin from nothing. So even even if you are fed a ball that literally, you know, like checks up, it's got some backspin and it just checks up and just sits and bounces straight up and just sits there <laughs> right in the center of the court. If you don't have the ability to create pace and create spin from that shot, then you're always going to have a hard time against the player who's a half a level or a full level below you. And this is just really a hallmark of a high-level player is somebody that is able to do this. Can you take a ball that's just sitting there with no pace of its own and confidently make pace yourself? So how? How, how can we develop this? Well, the, uh, the short answer, and we're going to talk about the technique in, in a minute, but the, the short answer is through practice and repetition. And, uh, you know, I wish there was a more exciting answer, but that, I mean, that's it. Without putting in the time and without putting in the repetition, there's just no other way to ingrain the muscle memory necessary to walk out onto the court when it really counts and you know it counts. And so there's that, you know, that added elements of maybe pressure or anxiety there and still be able to do it. And there's no other way to build the belief and the confidence in yourself, kind of going back to the psychological part again, that you can do it. If you don't really believe that you can make that shot, even when you're totally generating the pace and spin completely by yourself, if if there's any little doubt back there in the back of your mind that you could possibly miss this shot, even though it's really, really easy, 
you will start getting physically tight. You will start getting nervous. And that's when things kind of start to cycle out of control, where maybe you miss that one, then you have even less confidence next time, then you start slowing your swing down, and before you know it, you're playing right at the level of your opponents, even though maybe your potential for level of play is above theirs. Now, um, what do I have here next? Uh, One more thing under the header of training yourself to create pace and spin. Um, This is the difference in physical skill between losing and absolutely crushing this kind of opponent. I, I, I think this is really important to point out. This Just this one skill, being able to take a ball with no pace and no spin and create your own pace and spin, the ability to do that consistently is the difference between constantly struggling against a player who's a level below you and constantly crushing the, the same player who's a level below you. Seriously, if you don't have the ability to do this, then like I described just a second ago, it doesn't take much doubt to fall into being tentative and, and kind of falling into that, that spiral, you know, that negative spiraling down of your level of play. It doesn't take much at all before you're having a miserable day. On the other hand, if you do possess the physical ability and, and the mental confidence to be able to do this, then, I mean, that's that's really the, the ticket. I mean, that's your key to being able to take somebody who is a level below you and just put them away convincingly and dictate every point, you know, being on the offensive consistently and beating them 6-1, 6-2. I mean, it, without this skill, you will always have at least a little bit of a hard time against somebody who, in your opinion, isn't as good as you. Because without offense... You can't stay on top of them tactically. You, you can't keep them down you know, strategically if you can't consistently create some kind of offense to you know, keep them under pressure and, and ultimately to beat them. That's, that's the whole idea. <laughs> and you know, assumedly, that's why you're better than them because you can create a higher level shot, right? And, and yet, if you play somebody who's just strong enough that there's not enough pace for you to do that, then you're always going to have a hard time. So um, lastly, let's talk about the actual technique of how to do this. Um, and there's three, there's three different parts to this. Number one, you need to have a strong acceleration across your entire kinetic chain. And if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you, you've heard the use of the, the term kinetic chain many times. And that that basically just refers to the transfer of energy through your body, out your body, into the racket, and eventually into the ball. And there's a there's a certain you know kind of order of operations that should be occurring. Basically, most of the time, kinetic chain means that you're transferring energy from your legs up through your core and you know your your torso, and then out your shoulder through your arm to the, to your hand and to the racket, and then out to the ball, and um, you know a smooth accelerated motion using all of those body parts together and in the correct order will create plenty of racket head speed, plenty of power, and plenty of spin. If you don't use your whole kinetic chain very well. And, and, you know, I'm not going to get into specific uh, ways that that could happen, that you're not doing a good job with it because it's, it's unlimited, you know, essentially. But you have to use your whole body together correctly using good technique 
And that will give you the racket head speed that we're looking for. And when you have the racket head speed, then you're able to create pace and you're able to create spin. Without that, well, you're right back where you started and you're, you're right back essentially at the level of the person that you're playing against. And that's exactly what we don't want. So that's number one. Uh, you have to use your whole body correctly and efficiently. Strong use of the kinetic chain will give you the potential to be able to accelerate the racket enough so that we can create an offensive shot. So once we are using our body correctly and we get that racket head speed, we, we have to have good racket technique as well. The racket needs to be moving correctly in order to hit an effective shot. And you know the, the basics of that is or are uh, a low to high swing. We need topspin. If, if you want to consistently attack and that's, that's for a lot of people, that's an oxymoron. Consistently attack. You can consistently attack if you have topspin. Without topspin, things become much more difficult. Things become much lower percentage. Is it impossible to attack with you know just a flat, straight drive? No. Is it impossible to attack with backspin, with, with a slice shot? <clears throat> Excuse me. No, it's not impossible. But the the you know the percentages drop. The, they do. I, I mean, it's just a fact. <laughs> because when you hit with topspin, the the shape of the shot becomes conducive to keeping the ball in play. Topspin makes the ball curve back down towards the court again. And so, if you're able to use topspin effectively, then you can hit the ball with more offense. You can hit the ball with more pace and harder and still be able to keep it in play. Oh, and by the way, as you do that, you can aim the ball higher over the net and still keep it in play because of that curve, because of the spin. So being able to to hit with topspin in conjunction with using the kinetic chain correctly and strongly, those are really, really important keys technically to be able to, to beat this kind of player over and over again. And then thirdly, and again, all three of these things work together. And when, when they do work together in harmony, that's when you're going to see your full potential. You need to be loose and relaxed. When your body is physically tight, using the kinetic chain correctly becomes very difficult because the body just doesn't move smoothly when it's tense. I mean, that, that's just common sense, right? And yet so many recreational players try to hit the ball with a great deal of physical tension. And when you do that, uh, it takes a lot more work to accelerate the racket. And even if you do expend that extra energy and you do use that extra work, it very often chokes off your technique. And the actual technique of your swing uh, decreases. And it's, it's not as good technically of a swing. Um, now it's not impossible to still hit a good shot that way, but you're just going to have to work a lot harder for it. And so, you know, ideally you want to have the good use of your kinetic chain. You want to have a low to high swing pretty consistently to make the top spin to, to hit offensively and stay relatively consistent. And you want to be loose and relaxed. If you do all three of those things and you do what I talked about before, the practice and the repetition, then you can start to hit these types of shots consistently enough that you can have the confidence that when you go out and play this type of player, Eric, you can be successful. You can hit this shot. You you own this shot from the middle of the court, you know, where you have to generate your own pace, your own spin, and you'll have the confidence that you can do it over and over again. 
And you know what? There's no better feeling in the world. That there's no better feeling than than playing somebody who's just marginally, you know, uh, weaker than you are, just not quite up to your level of play, and really just dominate, <laughs> and just take over the match, and just dictate play, and play really confidently, and really even beat them worse than you should have. Uh, there is no better feeling than that. And on the flip side of the coin, there's no worse feeling than playing somebody who's maybe even significantly weaker than you, not having these skills and abilities, mental and physical, and struggling through the match. And you know what? We, we've all come through matches like that on top and won, but just by a little bit, and been so frustrated, right? And, 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 and said, you know what? I didn't even deserve to win that match. I mean, that was the ugliest match I've ever played. That guy was not even close to my level, you know, again, kind of quote in air quotes, not even close to my level. Um, and yet it was a battle. Why did I struggle so much against that player? And I, I can just about guarantee that it's going to come down to one of the things I just talked about in this episode. And just quick overview under psychological, the two biggest mistakes. Number one, underestimating your opponents. You must respect all of your opponents, no matter what. Um, and then number two, under psychological, a biggest mistake is playing down to their level. Huge mistake. Don't do that. You'll get them comfortable. You'll get them into a rhythm. And bef- before you know it, you're fighting for your life in the match. And then under physical, number one, you must train yourself to create pace and spin from nothing. And that's through repetition and... Um, Oh yeah, that's the repetition. I, I was reading through the rest of my outline here, but but th- that was the main way that that we can do that is through practice and repetition. And then the second part under physical is the actual technique of it: strong acceleration across the entire kinetic chain, low to high swing, loose and relaxed. You combine that with the practice and repetition, and this is how you improve your performance against this type of player, Eric. So. Uh, really good questions, Eric. And um, to be to just be really honest, I'm really I'm actually really happy with this outline that I put together, and I, I think it it really kind of hits on on the most important parts really well. And so I hope that this was helpful to you, Eric, and the rest of you listening as well. I think this is a really important topic, and so I, I hope that you enjoyed listening. And if you have any comments or questions, if this was helpful to you, if anything uh, didn't make sense. Maybe if you have even uh, some, some further suggestions on something you would have added to my outline today, come over to EssentialTennis.com and let me know. Just go to EssentialTennis.com slash podcast. This is episode number 181. Click on that and leave your thoughts and comments. I'd, I'd love to hear from you. So with that, going to wrap things up. Eric, again, thanks very much for the question. If I can be of any further help definitely let me know. Best of luck. All right. That does it for episode number 181 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Man, time has really flown by. I can't believe we're at number 181 already, closing in on the 200th episode uh, of the show. Big thank you to everybody that listened to my voice today, and I really do hope that it was helpful, the information that I gave today. Uh, Again, please uh, drop by the site and leave any comments or questions that you may have, and I will always do my best to to reply and answer all of those. 
And I'd, I also like to use uh, some of those in the next week's show at the end. So might hear your, your question or, or comment being read in next week's show. So with that, thank you very much for listening. Take care and good luck with your tennis.